When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Alright folks, welcome to another episode of Pavel and Danny's Irish Outfield Road. Well folks, we're recording this on the Thursday daytime um, leading up to Christmas. It's now the 17th of December um, and this will be our Christmas special podcast. Um, apologies for last week, um, family commitments, work commitments um, and let's be honest, a couple of really dull Liverpool games got in the way of last week's pod but we're going to make up for this Chris, Christmas special. Um, we've got like five games to discuss. We've got the Palace game, the West Brom game, the Newcastle game, the Southampton game, and the Villa game in the FA Cup um, on the eighth of January. Um, so we've got a very busy and packed um, fixture list. Um, first and foremost, I want to say um, this episode we're going to spend probably first fifteen twenty minutes um, discussing the late great Gerard Doulier. Um, and I think it was fitting last night that Liverpool went top the league with a last minute goal. Um, for Gerard Uly. But before we discuss Gerard Uly, I want to wish Danny a happy belated birthday for last week. Um, what, what age did you turn, Danny? 33. 33, I'm getting old. That's a, um, it's a bit of an a awkward age, shall we say. Um, <laughs> I'm not yet 30. I'm, I'm on the other side of 30, just to let everyone know. But in the meantime, how's your week been, Danny? And how, how, um, how are you? I was fine until you threw in the fact that you're not even 30 yet. It made me feel proper old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, all good. Yeah, just getting ready for Christmas. It's an exciting time of the year, isn't it? And just this, even this year when there's so much weirdness going on and it's just such a strange time of year, there's just something magical about Christmas. I love it. Um, we hired in our village here where we, li- where we live, we live in like a little development of like 15 houses and we all chipped in and hired like a Santa to turn up on a big sleigh and all with all these LED lights. And like, it was just a great time for the kids and we all, got together and had a bit of food and obviously stayed so they're socially distant and stuff but we like played some music out in the street got food and all so it's just it's nice and it's just nice that is it. unbelievable yeah it's good it's good that this time of year people kind of chip in and do stuff that you wouldn't normally do and it's all within the spirit of christmas and mm. so there'll be people listening to this um who were religious and some people that aren't religious um me and you danny great friends and we, we, I think it's fair to say that you're very religious and I'm not but yeah. we, we can both in, in, interline into the, the magic that is Christmas and both appreciate it on, on the same level and I think that's the same for everyone isn't it mm. um, this time of year so that, that's great to hear um, we've been up to much else or did you get any good presents for your 33rd and I'm sorry to throw out there but um, you know you've got to <laughs> <laughs> no um, yeah it was just quiet you know what it's like we were still in lockdown at the time when birthday happened and like um, my wife made me chicken and chips because I'm still 12 in my heart. <laughs> so she asked me what did I want for my favourite dinner and I was like, I just want like chicken and chips and some gravy. So we had that for dinner. We sat off, we watched a Christmas movie and just had a relaxing time. And it, yeah, it was just nice. It was just nice just to be able to chill out. It felt weird. Normally it's all going out for a meal and 
meeting up with people and different things, which is which is great, and I love that. Um, but there was something just quite relaxing about sticking the fire on and watching a movie with the kids, and yes, it was it was nice. It was nice. I can't complain. And how's um, we haven't mentioned Baby Charlotte from our pro? How's we Charlotte getting on? She is good. She is doing very good. Can't complain. She uh, last couple of last couple of nights, um, she's she's been great. Like you know, when you just need that time, and you saw that you've got the kids, you've got so much going on. I'm I'm doing tons, trying to finish up with work before Christmas, and you just sort of like you're waking up. You know yourself. You're waking up during the night with kids, and it just adds to the tiredness of the situation. And then for about two, three nights on the bounce, we put her down at eight o'clock at night. And she slept on nine o'clock the next day. For about wow. two, three nights on a bounce, and it was great. <laughs> so I uh, can't can't complain at all. It has been in that sense, it has been a, a good, good week. How <laughs> about uh, your family? What's going on? Yeah, all good. Um Leo's unfortunately been having a, a few awful nights recently <laughs> um with Tevin and stuff like that. Um that kind of contributed to last week. Mm. And uh, me sleeping in, so yes, apologies once again for that. But not all's good. Can't complain. Busy, busy with work, working from home, so it's keeping me um, in a bit of a routine, keeping up to date with the football, which is, which is good, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, as, as previously mentioned, I think we can't go anywhere else, and we can't discuss anything without discussing um, the sad passing of the late and great Gerard Ullier. Now. Um, I'll ask you a few your thoughts on this in a minute, Danny, but I just want to kind of give my wee tribute to Gerard Julia. Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally, um, we're similar ages with me being younger, must have, but I grew up on the the, you know, the, the the team of Michael Owen running past people scoring goals, the team of Big Emil Heskey, you know, flicking down headers and Owen scoring goals, Fowler coming off the bench with Lippmann, you know, Gary Mach, you know, scoring free kicks against Everton, you know, all these things. Um, all these memories, all these games. I grew up watching the, the Liverpool team with Gerard Dooley, you know, formed and made. And effectively, I, I fell in love with football, watching the Gerard Dooley side, you know, a young Gerard coming through. Um, so many, you know, yeah, to do that kind of come into the team and we know what he went on to kind of to, to achieve. And some of the tributes mm-hmm. that have been played out to former players, like see Carriers, your Gerrards, um, just goes to show how much of an impact he had. Um, on Liverpool Football Club and on so many um, Liverpool fans' lives. Jamie Carragher um, was getting interviewed and he said what a lot of people didn't realise is that Liverpool didn't win nothing for years and years and years. And when we won that treble under Hooley, it was like a new generation of Liverpool fans that formed and it's the first time they've seen Liverpool become great and have success. Mm. And I would include myself and you in this. Um, so I think you've got Gerard Hooley to thank for a lot of Liverpool fans these days, you know, sticking by the team and you know they've had their first taste of success and it's just it's so sad um, I know I was listening to Danny Murphy get interviewed again and he said that actually Gerald they died the first time and it was a miracle that he come back so he would have been grateful the time he's had um, he achieved so much in football which, which which I'll go through in a wee while but I mean what what was your first thoughts Danny I know I texted you straight away and it was like it was one of those moments where you just you're in shock, you know, when being kind of 73 is no age, really, is it? No, no, that's the thing. He was he was still young. He, like, he was, it wasn't that long ago that he was still managing. Um, so, yeah, and, and obviously we've, we've known it. It was even last year, we, we all remember the, the moment where Salah scored against Roma and um, him and Ian Rush and all were all in the stands celebrating and things like that. So, um, yeah, Gerard Hulley will always be remembered fondly by Liverpool fans 
uh, and especially by some of the, the great characters in Liverpool as well. As, as you said, he, he sort of he brought Gerard through and Danny Murphy and those boys and like a lot of the a lot of the players that we know he, he managed Liverpool at a time there was the time when I was becoming a big Liverpool fan. Jordan, the, the late 90s, when you were really getting into it, when you were at that age, I was sort of finishing primary school, going into secondary school, you were really into football. Um, and Gerard Hurley, as you said, that was the time when he became the manager and he lifted Liverpool. Liverpool, up until when we had Gerard Hurley, had generally about a 38-39 win percent rate. And, and he boosted us right the way up there. I think my my biggest memory of Gerard Houllier was obviously winning the treble. I remember um, the bus with Gerard Houllier on the team the year they won the treble. He came down the the road where I lived uh, on a road for those li- listening who are from Liverpool. It came down County Road, uh, which many people will know. And I was there <laughs> sitting on top of a lamppost. I'd managed to climb up on top of a lamppost and was sitting on top of the lamppost. So I was level with the top deck of the bus um, and was able to wave to them and all the rest of it. And it's just those memories that will stay with you forever. And he was he was part of that. He made Liverpool what they were to be able to achieve that. Yeah, and there's so many things you can say about Gerard Healy because he really, he was, he changed things at Liverpool. A lot of foreign players were coming out and saying the amount of things he changed, you know, and diet-wise and become a bit more professional. I think there's a story Danny Murphy was saying that, like, he'd, um, it was a treble winning season. Danny Murphy played 42 games. He scored about 12 goals. He played most games than the one that travelled. And uh, Gerard Ely pulled Danny Murphy's side and went, Danny, you need to come a bit earlier for pre-season next summer. Get a bit of weight off and I'll get you in the England squad. Danny Murphy thought he was going to come up and give him some be all buzz and say you were brilliant and all this and that. And uh, he said he listened to him and he got in the England squad. Yeah. So it was a stupid little thing to do. But I, I, I want to personally, I, I haven't seen this anyway. I'm just looking at a couple of decisions that were massive key decisions. Um, for Liverpool and um, I want to kind of mention them and just people come sometimes have short memories and forget Gerard they took the captaincy off Hippier and give that to Gerard. now yeah. at the time that was a, such a huge decision I mean that's like the equivalent of taking the captaincy off Hendo now and giving it to maybe Jones or you know maybe not so Jones he's so young but it, or Arnold even say it was such a big decision at the yeah. time you know the fact that Hippier was such a professional and took it gracefully you know, and it made Gerard. I think in that stage, it went. Gerard went from being a a promising prospect who who, who deserved the place in the team to being Mister Liverpool and captain fantastic. And it was Gerard Hill that made that decision. You know, for all the success that come on in the Champions League with Rafa and stuff, Gerard Hill made that decision. One of the most famous partnerships in world football for probably about three or four years was Hes- Heskey and Owen up front. Mm-hmm. All right, now it doesn't take a rock scientist to work out that for years there was a big man and a little man, but for probably three years of you know, in you know, that kind of early 2000s, there was no better partnership in the world than Heskey and Owen, and it just worked. And, and Gerard, you know, he dropped big names like Robbie Fowler. Like, I think, I think we can both admit that Robbie Fowler is probably the best finisher in Liverpool's history. I mean, I don't see many people maybe you could argue about Rush, um, Peak Torres, but like, I can't say. Anyone would argue when we say that Robbie Fowler is um, Liverpool's probably greatest ever finisher. And uh, Gerard Hill made a decision to drop Fowler for Heskey and Owen. And it won us to treble. And he'd, he'd bring Fowler at the right times, you know, and he'd stop litting them in. Um, Gerard Hill brought Carragher through. You know, there's so many things that Gerard Hill did for Liverpool Football Club that you just can't... 
you can't put into words and and, and um how can, how can I put this? I think we underestimate what he actually done for our football club because Liverpool Football Club at that time didn't win no trophies and Gerard Hulley won six if you include the community shield. And um all I can say was it's just it's such a sad, sad day for Liverpool. Um when it happened, sad day for football. Um, and I'll tell you a wee story actually. And um, people listening from Liverpool know back in the day there used to be a big massive um a big massive firework display in uh Sefton Park on yeah. Bonfire Night. Did you ever go yourself, Danny? Yeah, yeah, used to. Do you know what yeah. first first date I ever took my wife on was to the fireworks in Sefton Park? No way. Well, I'll tell you a story. So um it's, I think it's quite well known that Liverpool Football Club own a block of flats um, by Sefton Park. Mm. And um, I was actually leaving the display. I would have been maybe about, I think about 12 or 13. It was like the, one of the first years you could get away with going on your own without your parents, you know. Mm. And um, I was leaving and I was you know, this big, I, don't, I can't remember if it was a Jaguar or whatever car pulled over. And I run in front of it and nearly got knocked down by it. And... Um, it was completely my fault. It was just being a stupid teenager kind of running across the road, not giving a toot. Um, and it was actually Gerard Ely. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I nearly got knocked down by Gerard Ely, which is something that you can... I remember getting like, the, 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 the angry look from him, you know, type of thing. Yeah. Um, but I remember, like, apologising. And, like, one of those moments where it happened that quick and then afterwards, I was like, oh, my God, that was Gerard Ely. Like, what, what, what on earth? You know, and it was just mad. <laughs> And I remember like asking and doing the research and be like, could have that been that block of flats? Could have that been Gerard Ule and all? But that just goes to show the type of fellow he was. He just went to the you know to, to the firework display like anyone else. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's what a lot of people say. Another story that I hear quite often is he went into the dressing room after Istanbul, and uh, a lot of the team, you know, basically were signed for the pull by him. Yeah. And they all come up to Gerard and was like, "This is your trophy. Um, it's your team." And uh, it realised that 12, 12 men of like the fifteen or sixteen man squad in the um, in the Istanbul final, you know, were signed from Gerard Ule or developed by Gerard Ule. So yeah. I think you can't underestimate the the historic value that Gerard's had um, for Liverpool, Gerard Ule. And uh, I think he does go down in a legend at Liverpool Football Club. I mean, would you agree with that comment, Danny? Yeah, yeah, I think as as we said just before, like he he increased our win percent rated um by so much. He 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 got us winning trophies again, which was the big thing. And obviously, um, what we've discussed within it is that he won so much with Liverpool, win the FA Cup and the League Cup, Charity Shield, UEFA Cup, the Super Cup, and all these different things. Um, so he he brought that that mode back into Liverpool of winning trophies and making their way through competitions and doing what they needed to do. Um, and yeah, like as I said, for me, he's always going to be a legend because the teams that I remember of Liverpool all revolve around Gerard Houllier. As you said, he brought Gerard in for me, made Gerard who he was. He brought in all these great players over the years. You you look at that 2005 squad, like he brought in. Jibril Cissé, he brought in Harry yes. Kimble and Steve Finnan. I was just about to say about Jibril Cissé was... That was a sign and pre-arranged by Gerard Dooley because of the French connection. Yeah. You know, he, he brought like the stupid little things like Florence and Mapongoli. He brought him in as well. And they all had the little contributions towards Liverpool winning the Champions League. And it's just, it's mad to think that a year later, you know, we win the Champions League. It's just because it, those European nights, he, he, you know, Roma 
we've mentioned Roma, so we all know what happened. Gerald Dele had you know um, an effective heart attack as such mm. uh, one day against Leeds, and he went he went to hospital, and he was in hospital for how long? Danny was it about three or four months? Yeah, it was a while, wasn't it? Phil Thompson took the reins, and Liverpool needed to win by two clear goals against Roma in the last game. Um, it wouldn't be like Liverpool to do it the hard way. And uh, yeah, so Gerald Dele, as everyone knows the story, he he decided lastminute.com just to come. And that we um, that we bit of energy that maybe we we might have not had with him come back into the stadium, it just created so much more atmosphere. Yeah. And lo and behold, we got the job done. And it was uh, actually Emil Heskey, who was a Gerald Dele signing, yeah. that scored the scored the winning goal. And it's just, I think you can't underestimate the 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 the, the, the success that Gerald. Okay, we didn't win the league, but we won everything else. Mm. You know, we had three fixtures against Man United at our Old Trafford under Gerald Dele. You know, um, again, another famous story to listen to Danny Murphy. There was a game where Phil Thompson brought Liverpool to United. Danny Murphy scored the, the free kick and we won the game. Gerald Dele could barely speak, but he still rang up to congratulate Danny Murphy for getting the winning goal at Old Trafford. Mm-hmm. And I seem to remember it was three years in a row, wasn't it, that Danny Murphy scored a goal and we won 1-0. Yeah. And it was just, you know, those little things, that, those great memories that, you know, you always look back upon. And, uh, I mean, I have to go through a few things. He, he was manager at PSG. He had a big part of the France um, France squad. He was part of coaching staff that won the World Cup. You know, he's managed Leon, um, formerly managed Villa, and he had their highest league position finish in years at ninth. Um, and he only he only left that job by mutual present because of health conditions. Um, he used to do a lot of stuff at UEFA in the background. Um, and I just what a he is a legend of football, and the fact that lots of people were. Throwing tributes out when he passed away just goes to show much of an impact he had. Yeah. Um, and it's a sad day for Liverpool. But I think what I will say, if we kind of start kind of moving on to our, our next subject, um, it's kind of fitting that Liverpool last night went top of the league um, with a last minute goal at Anfield. Um, and I think that was Gerard Watson over us. Um, so, first of all, uh, Danny, okay, the, the last three games, four games, we'll finish 1 1, and there's not really to chat about. But last night, Tottenham. That was the big one. That was the big game. Uh, Mourinho coming, they've been brilliant. Um, we were all over them. They had a couple of chances. I mean, it was a good finish by Son. It was a tight offside decision. But for me, he always had so much stick. And we, we, we've had different diff, different views on this. Unfortunately, Jota's got injured. I mean, you could have you could have two or three episodes on injuries um, over our podcast, but we won't yeah. go into it. We won't moan. Um, I'm just buzzing for Firmino. So what was your thoughts on that game, Danny? It was, it was, do you know what? There's nothing else you can say other than the fact that it was a dominating performance. Like, we absolutely, for me, we dominated that performance from the first minute to the last. As you said, there was one point it came up in the stats and it picked a random five minutes in the game and looked at the stats. And Liverpool had like 97% possession. Like, we didn't not have the ball in most of that game. As you said, Tottenham, Tottenham have the ability to be able to score goals. And to be fair, on another night, they may have got them. But do you know what? Even if Tottenham would have got those goals, and obviously we're all thinking about the Harry Kane header from that corner, that he really, someone of Harry Kane's calibre, that's who you want it to fall to and who should be scoring. Um, they, they could have won that on another night, but you would have been sitting here in this podcast saying, yeah, Tottenham won it, but they didn't deserve to. Because they didn't play good enough football. They played counter-attacking football, which is fine, and there's nothing wrong with that. And it's become a Mourinho staple, hasn't it? That whole park on the bus playing out and under Tottenham he can probably play his best football in that sense because 
he's got such fast players. Lucas Moura is so fast coming out doing sort of that box-to-box run. Um, Son is absolute lightning. I've said before in previous podcasts that if there was anyone in the league that we were able to sign, for me, it'd be Son. Because um, he's absolute quality. Oh, it's brilliant. That goal last night proved it. The run, staying on side tightly to finish. You know, it's... Yeah, I mean, 99 goals to score for Spurs. And everyone talks about Kane, but Son is just, I think, he's up there with... At the moment, he's up there with anyone, isn't he? Yeah, he creates the chances. Even when Kane scores, yes, Kane is good at, at dropping back and he's good at laying people through. But Kane only gets the space that he has because the defenders are so worried about the pace of Son going down yes. on that left-hand side. Yes. So, like, for me, like, he, he's always capable of goals out of nothing. And one of the things I love about Son before I go on to Liverpool is one of the things I love about him is that you see him sometimes make these 60, 70 yard runs and he still has the composure to finish the ball so well. When most of the players, you can tell when watching them that they're dying, that they've made this big run, they're a bit leggy and they're kind of hitting and hoping that it goes into the back of the net. But um but yeah, apart from those little chances, like Liverpool completely dominated that game. And for me, there's all this talk, as you said, about injuries and oh, we've still got Thiago to come back and Van Dijk to come back and Jota to come back and Shakiri to come back, and the list goes on and on and on. Um but for me, like the likes of Curtis Jones stepped up massively last night. And for me, I thought he dominated that midfield. Took the words out of my mouth, Danny. Like he has just been so interesting there. But Curtis Jones has just been we've mentioned him uh, compared to certain, a certain other player. He's got the same shirt number coming through as a certain other player. Um and I think Jurgen Klopp was interviewed last night and he said, um, imagine if you had to go and sign to my Curtis Jones, what he'd be worth now. You know, he's come in and he's demanding the ball. You know, I, I seen someone leave a Facebook post last night. Like, Curtis Young, the cheeky BAS, T-A-R-D, demanding balls off internationals. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But like, that, that's what he's doing. He's coming to the foot. He's demanding the ball off people. And he's making things happen. And I mean, what can you say? Young Reese Williams coming again. Look great. Um, yeah. Arnold and Robbo, just fantastic as usual. Um, and I think Manny has gone through a little bit of a um, dry patch, a bit of a yeah. dry spell. Like he hit the bar last night. You know, you know yourself. Six months ago, that would have been flying in. They probably got another two. Um, Salah, Salah's an interesting one because um, even if he doesn't play well, he still seems to score. And it was a bit of a scruffy goal last night. It was a scruffy penalty at the weekend, but he he's still scoring. Yeah. And then obviously, it's, the old, I've said this since this podcast began, and whenever one of those front three leaves, they'll put be a sad day because if one doesn't turn up or the other doesn't turn up, one of them usually turns up. Yeah. And last night it was Firmino, and what a header. Um, did you hear the, um, did you hear the, like, the kind of analysis and live commentary on Sky Sports by uh, Tim Sherwood? Uh, no, no, I didn't. No. So, um, I don't like Tim Sherwood. I think he chats a pile of bubbles. Um, <laughs> but he's, he's 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 basically on Sky Sports News and he's saying uh, it was a talk sport. I can't remember. He's on one of the. It was on. It was on on social media and he's basically saying, uh, "Oh, it's a corner for Liverpool, but um, Liverpool haven't won nothing in the air all night. Tottenham have been dominant. <laughs> and I don't think there's anyone that's going to win the air, uh, win the ball in the air to score. And as he says, that Firmino wins the ball in the air and scores. <laughs> and he's like, except for Bobby Firmino. <laughs> With his face connections and all, he's so biased. It was just so funny watching his face drop live. Um, but yeah, as I said, 
there's always one that turns up um, if the other two don't if that's if all three don't turn up or one of the midfielders like one of them did the, the other week against Wolves but hmm. um, what can I say um, what, a, what a goal by Bobby and I'm so happy for him because he, he, he seems to become a target of Liverpool's frustration at times because he doesn't get the goals um, but he scored some important goals for this football club some very very important goals and it's not like it's a bad score ratio. He's just he just hasn't scored that many at Anfield. But look at the important goals he has scored. So brilliant, brilliant. Well, it's like anything, isn't it? When you're going through a dry patch like that, or your team's not doing very well, if you're not doing what people expect of you, then you're always going to take flack, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've been through, no matter how good you are. Look at the like, take for example, look at the Arsenal situation at the minute. Look how bad Arsenal are playing. Like and as a team, they are playing shocking. But yet, who's taking all the criticism? Abamyang, because he's not scoring the goals, so he's the one that's taking the brunt of everything. Because normally, Abamyang is a twenty-five to thirty goal a season striker, but he's going through a bit of a dry patch. But instead of blaming the entire team, Abamyang takes the brunt. And Liverpool, although Liverpool have been solid and played well, Firmino, when going through any type of what is classed, and we talked about the Gerard Houllier era just before. How mad is it that we talk about Liverpool going through a rough patch because we're sitting top of the league but we've drew three games? Like, that's the standard <laughs> that we have now as a football yes. team. Um, but Firmino is, is taking that brunt because people are like, oh, well, strikers should be scoring 20, 30 goals a season. And I think Firmino is one of those characters that he's not going to be truly appreciated by everyone in terms of Liverpool fans until his career is over. Or until he leaves, or until that front three is broken up, and they and people are going to then realise, oh wow, he was ridiculously valuable to Liverpool's squad, even though he wasn't scoring twenty to thirty goals a season because he scored clinical goals and he brought the other two in, which is which is what he done yesterday so so well, just taking yeah. that ball so confidently, laying it off to Salah, fizzing it through for Mane to be able to break in. As you said, Mane didn't have the best of games, but he always causes trouble and he always oh, yeah. a nightmare for everyone. Um, and Firmino was just fitting those balls into him to be able to spread out that Tottenham lineup to allow Curtis Jones to come through and take shots on and allow Trent to get that bit more space outright to whip a few balls in and different things like that. Firmino was what brought that team together yesterday. Although, as I said, he's again because he's not he scored the winner, but he's not going to get the credit that he deserves because of the likes of Curtis Jones playing so well and Reese Williams looking like he was a a veteran defender that's been playing for 20 years at the top of his game, not playing for Kidderminster last season. Like, <laughs> what can you say? I mean, it's just been absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, and for me, you know, there was a couple of glimpses in that game. Like, there was a wee drag back where he had a shot in the edge of the area, and another wee nutmeg like he always seems to do. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it's just it's just brilliant because that that Tottenham team are well. We can say what we want about Mourinho, and he's the master of deflecting. Last night, saying the best team lost, and all, all that. Yeah. Do you know what? You're gonna have to edit out all that bollocks because do you know what? Mourinho just chats some crap. He really does. But he's, <laughs> the, he's the, he, we were just discussing before we come on here. You know, he's, it's the oldest trick in the book. Whenever your team loses, fire a few comments out there that are a bit controversial, and then all anyone talks about in the papers and afterwards is what Mourinho said, and no one talks about the team getting beat because mm. of negative. No, fair enough, they've got a style of playing, they've done all right, and good luck to them. He's a proven winner. But right now, they're not the, they're not the class or pedigree of Liverpool. And um, it just goes to show that all the injuries we've had, um, we've, I say we've had a couple of rough draws, we're still sitting top of the league. 
as I say, so it's, what more can you say? Um, we've done all right. The, some of the injuries have come back. You know, Oxley Chamberlain's on the bench. Um, I know Van Dyke and, and um, Gomez are a while off, but from what you're hearing, their injuries are promising and, and the, you know, they're on schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, Keith and Gallagher's come in, done brilliant, and Allison's couple of injuries he's had, and all she can do is kind of look forward. Um, and things are looking well. We're sitting top of the league, and we've had a bad, bad rough spell. So, what can you say? Um, it's going to be a, a very tough Christmas um, period, um, which we will come on to. But in the meantime, we're going to take a wee short break. And after the break, we will discuss um, the Palace game, the West Brom game, the Newcastle game, the Southampton game, the Villa game. We've got a, a couple of Christmas messages. And a couple of things to go through. But in the meantime, we're going to take a short break. Thank you for listening to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Rose. Right, everybody, welcome back to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Rose. Now, obviously, the fixtures that we're going to be talking about here in the second part are all around Christmas because the Christmas fixture list is normally mental the way it is every single season, but this season especially. It's, it's crazy the amount of games that are going to be squeezed into the next number of days. Um, so we're going to be trying to talk about them. We've got Liverpool West Brom coming up. We've got Liverpool Newcastle. We're playing Southampton. Uh, and then, as you said, we're playing Aston Villa as well in the FA Cup. And that takes us from the 27th to the 8th of January. So there's like four quite big games within that time. That we're We've playing. Palace as well on the 19th day, Danny. Yes, sorry. Yeah, two days. Do you know Liverpool are playing in two days' time? Um, yeah. So yeah, so we've got five games within the next couple of weeks. So it's quite a, it's going to be a big couple of weeks, um, and it always is during the Christmas time with the Christmas fixtures. But you know what? Like Christmas fixtures have always been like this, and in fact, they were always a bit more mental. I was reading recently, and I wanted to share with you just a something random talking about Christmas football. That up until the television was invented in the fifties, Christmas the football was always played on Christmas Day. All the matches always took place on Christmas Day. Um, oh, I never knew that. Now they normally go around Boxing Day and Christmas Eve and different things like that. But all the football matches normally took place on Christmas Day. And we talk about a, a packed fixture list now. It used to be absolutely mental. So I'll, I'll give you a few stories just to sort of in, be intriguing for you. For those of you that maybe don't know the history too much, Liverpool and Everton used to be one team used to have one team and then they split. So the one, it used to be Everton and they used to play at Anfield and then eventually they formed another committee and Liverpool came out of that. The person who fought, helped form Liverpool, he was the one that owned the field that Everton plays on, which was Anfield that we play on now. Um, and Everton moved to where they are now in Goodison Park. Um, but Everton on Christmas in 1888, back in the day, played three matches in one day on Christmas Day. In 1888, they had they had they wow. had in their fixture list three matches that they played at the same time. So they played a morning game against Blackburn Park Road, which they won three two. Then they played a game in the afternoon against Ulster FC, which they won three nil, and the goalkeeper scored the third goal. Uh, and then they played a game in the night time. Then all at Goodison, all at Anfield. It was all in Anfield because um, it was still the one team then. So it was all in Anfield, and they played Bootle. In the nighttime game, uh, that was a goalless draw because they were probably shattered. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we talk about the pack fiction list, but like that's that's the type of thing that was going on. Everton having three games in one day, and loads of the other teams were exactly the same. Um, one of the first games that was ever played in terms of Christmas Day games 
was Preston North End versus Aston Villa. So just a little bit of a fact for you there. Preston North End versus Aston Villa was one of the first ever Christmas Day games that took place uh, as they were two of the founding teams of the Premier League. Um, and Preston won it 3-2. So been reading about all this, find it all fascinating, like all these different fixtures that took place and stuff like that. Um, and the last one I wanted to give you was that, as you can imagine, Boxing Day. Boxing Day, obviously, you've had Christmas Day, you've had your Christmas meal and stuff like that. One of the big matches that took place um, was a team called Clapton had to play Bournemouth on Boxing Day. And the manager brought a barrel of beer onto the the bus or the train or whatever they were using to travel down to Bournemouth. And by the time they got there, the entire team were bladdered drunk and had to play the game completely drunk. And um, they, lo- they only lost 2-1. So I don't know whether that shows how bad Bournemouth was. But this team, Clapton, turned up absolutely <laughs> off their heads and still only lost the game 2-1. So that's the type of stuff that went on back in the day. Yeah, well, I think there was a famous trail last year in Cock of the Liverpool players Christmas Day off, didn't they? Yeah. And um, it meant, meant the world to them because they played boxing day. But um, it was unusual because over the years, you know, we've all become used to watching Sky Sports News and you know the reporters down at the, the, the training ground on Christmas Day. Um, there's that famous instance, isn't he, where uh, Harry Redknapp's getting interviewed at Tottenham and uh, is it Bentley? Bentley hits the ball and it hits Oh, him yeah. And he goes, that's why you're on the... Bench. <laughs> <laughs> that was Christmas Day. So, yeah, it's it's fair play for you. Clock going off last year. It clearly worked. Let's hope that he gives them the Christmas Day off this year and they win the league again, you know. <laughs> the happy days, wouldn't it? But as we said, as it comes up to Christmas, we've got tons and tons of fixtures coming with Crystal Palace, West Brom, Newcastle, Southampton, and then Villa in the FA Cup on the 8th. So we've got quite a lot to be coming in the next couple of weeks. Where do you see those fixtures lying? Like, what do you think is going to be the hard games? What do you think is going to be the easier games? Do you think Klopp is going to rotate the squad? Or do you think he's going to try and stick with the same boys? Because, like, do we have any options at the minute? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the thing, isn't it? So come to Villa, and the, the final fixture. Um, you'd think in that FA Cup game, we'd make quite a few changes and play a lot of, like, kind of the French players. But... The, the, the irony is that a lot of the French players are starting now, so it's kind of like, what, what can you even do in that game? But yeah. I think you've got to play strong, because all the other teams are going through the same thing, you know, congested fixtures. Um, Palace are a bogey team. Again, that's going to be a tight fixture coming Saturday. West Brom, you know, un, under Sam Allardyce now, um, he's the last man to beat us at Anfield, so that'll be a tricky one. And then Newcastle away is always a tough game. And then Southampton away for me is the one that's the, the tricky one, because they are absolutely flying. Um, we've mentioned before Ward Prowse and the free kicks you, we were chatting off air about how great he is obviously Danny Ings lethal in front of goal um, and they're just flying um, they like to Walcott and stuff for me I see that Newcastle on, on the 30th and Southampton on the 4th within that week 4 they paired both being away from home being tight you know, mm-hmm. travelling from Newcastle then going right up the other end of the country down to Southampton um, it's going to be difficult um, but you know this, this is the time of the year every single season where this is where, if you do great during this Christmas period, um, it kind of defines the season. So you could have a great Christmas period or a bad Christmas period, and it would define kind of way. When when you really start looking off the table is after Christmas, I think. Um, I know we're top of the table now, but that's just bragging rights. But if we're top come the 5th of January, um, after Southampton, I think we'll be doing something right and we've got a good chance of winning this league. But it will be testing, especially with the injuries. Hey, what do you think, Danny? 
Yeah, like I agree with you very much. I think those two middle fixtures, the the Newcastle and the Southampton ones, are going to be tough fixtures. The Southampton one for me, especially, um, because Southampton are doing really well this season. Like they've held a good few teams, they're playing good football, they've got a good, like they've just got a good dynamic within their squad. Southampton have always had that. They've always managed to get a squad and gel them together well. And we've we've known that because we've poached them for their players over the years. Um. But I think I think it's going to be a tough one. I think it is going to be hard. Danny Ings is on form, playing really well. They've got a good centre back pair in there, Investigard and Bednarek. Um, is there a better free kick taker than James Ward Prowse at the minute? James Ward Prowse has been absolutely solid in that centre midfield and is just unreal from dead ball situations. Like I don't know whether he was practicing Jordan lockdown, Jordan coronavirus, Jordan the just before summer. But for me, he's just, he's lethal. And Liverpool this season, we have give away a fair few free kicks. Uh, I think because we're a little bit tetchy because of our defence and because of Van Dijk being out and Gomez being out and all the rest of it, um, Fabinho having to move from defensive midfield, I think the likes of Henderson and Curtis Jones are prepared to make a little bit more of a rash tackle to stop teams from sort of pressing us too hard. So we have give away free kicks and that will be, lethal against Southampton because Ward Prowse is unreal. So I think that'll be a hard fixture. And I think if we can get through that, I think if we can play well up until then and go into that game with confidence, it gives us a chance. But Southampton away is by no means an easy fixture. Well another thing I would say about these fixtures is we can chat all day about squad rotation and the players that'll come in on you know injuries. And I don't want to sit here and, and take time up moan about our injuries because they're well documented never knows. But you know it's one of those situations where you just have to get on with it. So I think we've used this word of this kind of term analogy a lot um, on this podca- podcast. You know, Liverpool right now, Liverpool Football Club, the team itself, are mentality monsters. And it's all down to Jürgen Klopp that's installed that in the team. And I think it doesn't matter what players you put out against these teams, you've got to go and do the job. Um, I think out of four games um, in the league, I think if you get 10 points out of those, those four games, um, you're doing brilliant. Yeah. Even nine points. You know, if you win three and lose one or win three and draw one, I think you're doing brilliant. Even I would settle for two wins and two draws. Because to be honest with you, um, I can't see anyone else bagging you know, four points over the Christmas period. Yeah. Um, but this is, as I say, this is where it makes and breaks your season sometimes. Because if we say we win two and draw two and we drop, say, four points and someone like Spurs or... Chelsea, you know, win all four games, which I don't see happening. But this is where like, the table can turn. Yeah. Um. So you've got to be looking at minimum of eight points. Um. Hopefully nine, if not ten. If you get the twelve, happy days. Um. But yeah, you've got to be realistic with the injuries with the squad. Um. And I think you know, for me, even Palace away, that's a tricky fixture. You know, Crystal Palace have always been a bit of a bogey team for Liverpool, mm. and they've got obvious, obvious dangers with Benteke and um. So hard. Ben Teke seems to have come to a little bit of a form there recently, and um, playing a form, obviously playing his former club, which he might step up. But for me, um, obviously the test of time will tell. And when our next podcast is in the year, we'll we'll look at the look at the fixes. Hopefully they've been kind to us, and hopefully we've been all right. But you know the seasoned professionals, and um, they know what to do. They've done it before now. They've had a season of nearly doing it. Um, which we should have done it and we've actually done it last season and okay it's un- unprecedented times as people keep saying it's all all mad but it's the same for everyone and uh, you know if you're just looking on paper quality Liverpool have better quality than all these teams even excuse me even with you know our, our squad and the injuries at the moment mm. um, 
but I can definitely see them being some goals and some goals conceded and some goals scored. That's the that's the one thing I will say. I mean, if we keep a couple of clean sheets, I think we'll be doing well. Um, what do you think? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think we've got to put it into perspective and remember that we said on this pod, and I know Pundit said about it on Sky Sports and BT and all the rest of it, with the injury list that Liverpool had, and I know they've probably been documented more than other teams, and that's because we were current champions, so they're going to document the fact that you have a squad that have been solid all season and then suddenly five or six of them get injured at the start of the next season. But the reality is, is that we only are looking back maybe three, four weeks ago in terms of our pod that we said that Liverpool would be doing well to finish in the top four this season with the injuries that we've got. So the fact that we're sitting where we are and the fact that we're still discussing the fact that we could go into the new year still at the top of the league and even if we were to drop a couple of points and draw a couple of games, that we could still quite handily be in the top two. Like, I, th- I think a month ago, most of us would have jumped at that if we'd have said, oh, we'll be second yeah. place, two points away from top. Would you be happy with that? Most Liverpool fans would have bit your arm off with the injury list that we've got. But we're talking the minute that we could still be top. So we've got to take yeah. that into account and think, do you know what? Like, we're, we're in a good position. We've got players to come back. And the fact that we're still in the round and fighting um, shows the mentality, as you said then, that Liverpool have got. So it'll be good to be able to hopefully get some points. Because I think the, I think the Crystal Palace game and the West Brom game are winnable. And I think because they're not, not massively on form either team. As you said, around Christmas, it's always hard. Fixtures are always very random. So we'll see what happens with those two games. Well, a great thing is, is that right now we're sitting top of the league. So if we win the four games over Christmas, we'll be sitting top of the league. Yes. I think... One thing I must say, and I think every Liverpool fan listening to this will agree, if we win the league this season, and it's a big if, it's a massive, massive if, I think it'll be a great, I think it'll be a great achievement than anything has ever been done on the Jurgen Klopp yeah. because of the injuries. You know, we won the Champions League, okay, and it was that fantastic night against Barcelona, which is, you know, I don't know if you can put it down to the, you know, Anfield or the team, bits of everything, but it's one of those results where going on to win a trophy. Just things happen that are just you can't put words on it. And we won that we won the Champions League. But we've always been a bit of a cup team. We got the final year before. Winning the league the way we did after so narrowly missing out on a by a point the season before uh, was unbelievable, you know, mental strength. But if we win the league this season with the injuries that we've not with the players that we've had missing the likes of basically Van Dyke used to harpy to Liverpool Football Club, simple mm-hmm. as that. Um it'll be probably the greatest achievements for probably I'd say 20 years because of the injuries yeah. um, but with him we're a shout Danny and that's we, we, we've mentioned it before in previous spots five, six, seven years ago just to be in, in with a shout we would have bit someone's hand off you know we, we're, we're sitting here you know 2020 I'm sure we'll we'll kind of talk about it in, in a while as we end the pod and, and with, with this Christmas special pod but it's been a mad year but we've become champions you know we are the champions you forget sometimes that you, I was watching a match last night in space and he's a big banner saying champions. And it's like, wow, we are champions. And yeah. that's, you know, fans being in the stadium or not, wherever players go on the pitch, it, it, there's something to be said. Like, you know, we are champions for a reason. You know what I mean? So let's hope and let's pray that we, we come through these fixtures without any more injuries to start off with. Um, but so we win the four games. We're, we're top of the league. And... You couldn't put a past us, but it will be really difficult. I think any any narrow-minded Liverpool fan would have to say 
it's going to be really, really difficult for Liverpool to get full, full, um, full points out of these four fixtures. But on paper, you know, you, you shouldn't really be dropping points against these teams because there's not one team on out those four teams, with the exception of maybe Southampton, that you um, that you really should be worrying about. But as I say, Southampton yeah. have been on form. Then when it comes to Villa in the cup. I think that's just going to be a bit of a revenge type of thing, um, don't you think, Danny? You know, it's going to be because he did a seven-two. I think, um, and we've never won the FA Cup with Klopp. Um, we've, yeah. With Klopp, we've been to a League Cup final, we've been to a UEFA Cup final, we've been to a Champions League final, and um, obviously we've won the league. But we've never really had a good run in the FA Cup. So, I think Klopp needs to take the FA Cup seriously this year. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think the Villa game will be a revenge game. I think whatever team goes into it isn't going to be thinking. Uh, it's just Aston Villa, like, we should be all right. They're sitting mid-table in 11th at the minute. Like, they're not going to be that much of a challenge. The fact that they absolutely spanked us last time we played them means that I think whatever team will go into that will have a point to prove that they'll want to show that that was a one-off and that doesn't happen too often to Liverpool. So I think it will be a revenge game. Um, but as you said, coming back to the league, like, it's, it's always hard. The fixtures come so fast and... With us having such a limited squad at the minute, he spoke yesterday. Obviously, Jordan the game on on Amazon, wasn't it? Um, they spoke yesterday about the fact that Klopp has been so adamant about the five sub rule, but yet he didn't really use any subs yesterday. Poor Nabi Keita standing on the sideline waiting to come on. Then the final whistle. But did you happened. see? Sorry to interrupt. Did you see his reaction whenever, whenever Liverpool did get the result? Nabi Keita's ready to come on, but he, he's jumping and cheering and holding yeah. Klopp and all that. He's Jurgen Klopp just has a way of that squad where they just all love him, don't they? You know. I think he summed it up in the sort of pre-match interview, didn't he? Is that he said they asked him the question like, "What makes a great leader? What makes a great manager?" And and he says he says the fact that I don't think about myself. Every decision I make, I, I base it on how I think others will feel about it. And that's the thing is that he everything that he does, everybody knows he's instilled that mentality within the entire Liverpool Football Club that. That he's not thinking about himself. Everything he's doing is for the good of the club. It's for the good of the fans. It's for the good of the players and the people. And I think people respect that. So you get moments like with Naby Keita, where yes, he was he was suited and booted and ready to go, and he didn't get on. But he knows that that he trusts Klopp and he trusts what Klopp's doing. Um, so it was nice to see that. You just feel sorry for players when you see them ready to come on. Then they're just gonna go back and put the jacket on. Um, but yeah, it's as I said, it's just going to be so hard. But Klopp didn't make those subs because we don't have them there. We we don't necessarily have a really big squad at the minute because we've got so many injuries. So how our squad manages during Christmas is going to be hard. And I think it's good. It, it was good that we won that game yesterday. It puts us three points clear or four points clear, depending on how you see it. Because obviously Tottenham had a bottle job and they're all going to scrap it off in January, February anyway. We all know Tottenham fall to bits. <laughs> um, so do we really count them in the league? Because they're going to finish fifth and we all know it. Um, <laughs> but we're sitting three points clear at the minute. It gives us a bit of leeway that, that yes, if we have an off day against Newcastle or more to the point, probably Southampton, it's not going to put us in the worst position ever. It probably is going to still keep us at the top or put us in and around that first or second mark. So, quick question, Danny. So, um, before we kind of summarise and, and kind of, we've got a few messages to say towards mm-hmm. the end of the pod. Do you see? So, I'm not going to ask you to you know, give a prediction for every game because there's that many. But, quick question: Come Christmas and come New Year. Um, so, first of all, Christmas. So, we've only got Palace before Christmas. Do you think Liverpool will be top of Christmas? Yeah, I, I, th- I think Liverpool. I think Liverpool will beat Palace quite comfortably. Sitting twelfth, they've had a little bit of an on-off. They've lost the last couple of games. I think I think Liverpool will do them. So, come. The fifth of fifth of January, 
just before the Villa game, um, our last league game before our next pod. Do you see Liverpool being top at that stage? Yes, I think we're going to finish these fixtures. This this set of four fixtures, I think we're going to finish it. I don't think we're going to win them all. I, I think I'm going to go for... I, th- I think we'll draw against Southampton. I don't think we'll pick up 12 points, but I think we'll be sitting top because I, I can't see the likes of Spurs and Southampton, the other team, Leicester, Everton, Chelsea are all around. I yeah. can't see any of them picking up 12 points. Yeah, well, I, I actually completely agree. I, I see Liverpool being top of Christmas again. I see Liverpool being top come New Year. Um, and it's good to see like the likes of you, like see Oxley chamberlain back in the squad. James Miller is not too far away. We've seen Naby Keita come uh, ready to come off the bench last night. Um, hopefully Matip's not too serious. Um, I think it'll be a miracle if we see Van Dijk or Gomez play this season. But it, again, they're on schedule. It's promising. Um, but do you think we should make a signing in January? Do you think we should maybe get a wee centre-back? I know Conor Cody's been mentioned um, and a couple of other players. Do you think that we need someone? Or do you think we should um, keep you know, keep the faith in the likes of Yerish Williams and and that Phillips, or do you think we need someone, Danny? I, I just think at the minute, looking at... Do you know what? If Klopp signs a centre-back, I can fully understand why he's doing it, because the way the season's going, you can look at the squad now, and if I was to just look at that squad now, I'd be thinking to myself, do you know what? I'd trust them. As I said before, Reese Williams looks like he's been playing for years. The way he played yesterday, he played so well, he was so controlled, great in the air, so calm on the ball, Um and, and I could see Reese Williams, to be fair, challenging Gomez for that position once everyone's back to fitness because he played, he's played so well in those Champions League games and then yesterday against a really tough-to-beat Spurs side. And I think they summed it up that they said the second half, they moved Harry Kane onto Fabinho to try and ma- match up with him because he had no chance against Reese Williams. And, and that summed up for me what his performance was like. Um so looking at that squad, you'd be thinking, I'd be thinking to myself, why why bring someone else in? What's the point? Because we've only got players coming back. But the way the season's been up to now, there's no there's nothing to say that Jordan those runner Christmas fixtures, we're not going to get two or three more injuries. And all that. I'd maybe be thinking to myself about the centre back, possibly another centre mid as well as cover. Just bring them in on loan. I wouldn't necessarily buy anyone because I think once we've got our once we've got all the players come back, we'll we'll be flying and we'll have tons and tons of players for positions. Um, but I would be looking to bring in a couple of loan loan signings. And... Yeah, well, that's the thing. You forget about Thiago. He's had like a couple of games, and he's played a couple of games. But then you know he's out injured as well. And yeah. um, at the end of the day, when when you've got massive teams and world football competing at the, the front of every competition, like the Champions Leagues and Premier Leagues, you're going to need a big squad. And then let's just see what happens. You can only pray that we don't. Um, that we don't get any more injuries, but then they pull up on the best youth setups in, in world football. So, you know, you've, if you've got to rely on youth, you've got to rely on youth. And we've still got some great experience players to come back, like I mentioned, the likes of Milner's, your Oxley Chamberlain. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, and then come Villa, it's a revenge job. But I think we should take the FA Cup a bit seriously this season because the club's never really done much in it, to be honest with you. And it's still a cup to be won. And um, yeah, there you go. So that's that. But I mean, Danny, so we're coming towards the end of the pod. We're coming towards the end of 2020. Um, it's been an emotional year, you know, personally, um, football-wise, um, pandemic, obviously. Uh, we don't need to, to state the obvious. Um, but, yeah, we, we've agreed just before we, we come on um, here today that we're going to have a minute or so just to kind of mm. um, talk about how the year's been and what's meant to us and give our give people a well wish. So, 
I'll let you go first, mate. Um, if you had to sum 2020 up in like a, you know a couple of minutes and how it hit you and the footballing world and as a Liverpool fan, how would you kind of describe it? Well, it's a big question, isn't it? Like 2020, yeah. I think is is going to be a year that none of us will ever forget. It's the type of year I think that we're going to be telling our grandkids about and all sorts because it's just it's just been so random so wild and you just you, you've never known what's happening from one minute to the next I think personally it's been really hard at times like um you know same as I do like having kids during the pandemic and everything locking down and we had a we had a baby during the pandemic um <laughs> in the middle of July and, and the whole thing that I'll never forget of like not being able to go into the hospital until like the very last minute to see Charlotte being born like you'd have all those these random things that have gone on. And I think it's been a hard year. And, and I can turn around and say about the ways that it's been hard for me, but it's been hard for everyone. I think we've all struggled in different ways this year. And I think we've seen a real mix of people coming together and communities coming together and supporting each other. And then people, especially on like social media, like we've seen the, the horrible side of people and people tearing each other apart. But one of the things that has stayed the same is the community that you have through football. We st- we started this up and this whole podcast because of the fact that, that you can meet people in the street and chat to people and people can come knock at your house. You can have random people. We spoke obviously off air about the fact that you've got an electrician coming around today and, and second year is that you're from Liverpool. They chat away and, and we've, all, we've all had those <laughs> yeah. situations where you get into football talk with people and you've automatically got that bond. And although fans have had to leave the stadiums and we haven't been able to watch football in the way that we've wanted to and it was off for so long with the lockdown and all, that community never died. We were still able to to chat about football. We were still able to talk to each other. We were still able to have that connection with other people through the football. And that's, that's why we do this pod. So that people who feel down, people who feel like they've got no one to talk to can realise that that sport and football especially and and having a club and an affiliation to a club like Liverpool means that there's always people that you can talk to. And 2020 has really, for me, brought that into the forefront, that football is more than just a game that we watch and we listen to analysis on, but it's something that actually brings people together and helps people with their, their mental health, with their physical health in terms of playing it. Um, and we just hope that in 2021... We'll be able to provide more help for people in terms of the podcast and also the football will go back to normal and we'll start to provide help for communities again uh, as well as a good thing to watch. Very well put, Danny, very well put. Um, for me, first of all, I have to say we're blessed. Me and you, um, we've always known each other. Um, we've always been football friends and stuff, but I think over the course of you know, this how this pod's developed, we've become close and stuff, so we've I think I've really gained another real close friend, so mm. I'm blessed in that way. I still think it's a miracle that we we we, we bluff our way into getting a couple of hours each week to, to talk <laughs> crap about football, and that we've got <laughs> listeners all over the world. Um, I think that's crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, I think for me personally, it's been a very difficult year as well. Um, I personally, at one stage, um, was homeless. Um, I personally, at one stage, was had difficulties, you know, personally with relationships. Um, I didn't become a dad in twenty um, twenty, but right at the end of twenty nineteen. So I just kind of become a dad just at the big, you know, Leo's only a couple of weeks old. Yeah. Um, I say this now as he's screaming downstairs. <laughs> um, 
at one stage in this pod that we had to re- we had to like kind of record again because you had baby Charlotte in the arms. So, you know, we're family men. Um, it's been a it's been a very up and down year for me. Um, but I'm coming to the end of it. Um, and when I think of football, and I think about this podcast, and I think about the year in general. The pandemic has hit the world, um, and it's been awful. But as you said, you see the worst, and you see the best in people. But I want to focus on the best, and you see communities coming together. You see people coming together. The football world in itself has come together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was one of the biggest statements you made, Danny, that really hit home. And what a lot of people said, when the football come back, that's when normality starts to come back. And it's still not normal, but the fact that we have football to discuss, it's just a little bit of a release, which is great. Um, and for me personally, the fact that Liverpool become champions, no matter whether we got to celebrate it properly or not, that's written down in history. Mm. And the one thing the football fans love to do is to remind each other of the history. And we all sit there, every football fan of every club sits there and whenever it gets to the end of an argument that you're trying to have, oh, don't look back in the past, look back in the future. But the point is, is that every club's got its own history. And the Liverpool Football Club created history by winning the Premier League. So for me, 2020, for that aspect, and that aspect alone, has been absolutely brilliant. And hopefully this pod continues to grow from strength to strength. Um, thank you to all the listeners. Um, you sometimes forget, me personally, I could, I could be stopped in the street and someone will say something to me. Um, and yeah. It's, it's, and they'll say, oh, I hate that. And you're like, oh, right, I forgot about that. Um, obviously, thank you to Strabam Radio Online. That have been great to us and let us have our slot every single week. Um, hello to all listeners in Strabam and the surrounding areas. Um, thank you to all listeners all over the world. Um, and yeah, what I want to say, kind of, to end up on, Danny, is, is a thank you to you because we, um, we come on this pod and we chat a bit of crap for an hour or two about football. Um, and I might throw a few social media posts out there and I've done a little bit of work in the background getting, I think, a big achievement, the mental health um, podcast that we've done, which was a real success and we hope to help people. But you do a lot of work behind the scenes, you know, editing this pod and stuff, and it, it's not as easy. It's just chatting, crap and find out there. So, first of all, thank you for you for being there and um, keeping this happening because I wouldn't have a clue what to do, um, the techie side of it. So it, it means a lot to me and I say it's a release for me. So thank you to yourself. Thank you to all the listeners um, all over the world. Um, all I can say um, is a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And we'll be continuing the new year, won't we, Danny? And we'll be still chatting crap and trying to get away with it. Exactly, yeah. No, and I think that was really well put. And, and that's the thing is that, yeah, we get to talk football, we get to chat about it. And like it, it's helping people, and we know that, and we get messages about that. So we do appreciate everyone listening. And, and obviously, 2020 will be remembered for a lot of bad things and a lot of fearful things but will also be remembered for a lot of good things and I think it's good to be able to focus on that good and hey you say like you just put up a few things every now and again one of the memories that I have of 2020 is the fact that without you putting the graft in I would have never met Neil Mellor this year so for me that's <laughs> always going to be up there on my list that, that we yeah. got to spend time not just chatting about football but chatting about football with a professional footballer and yeah nothing takes that away so it was good <laughs> It was, yeah, it's been brilliant. So, yeah, I think in the meantime, folks, um, thank you for listening to this Christmas um, 2020 special. Um, we'll definitely be back in the new year. Thank you to all those listeners again. Um, and, yeah, let's hope that next time we speak to you, we're sitting top of the league and we're in the fourth round of the FA Cup. So, in the meantime, thank you for listening to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. You'll never walk alone.
Podcast Network.